2: welcome back guys to another nerdy show pro-grade fan film episode hi i'm cap hi i'm hex i'm tony the draw friend i'm brandon i'm brian i'm luke and today we are going to talk about Fallout, and uh, specifically the Nuka Break fan film series. Yeah, yeah, Our first part of this ongoing series of Nerdy Show Prime episodes uh, was actually dedicated to Ninja Turtles. It was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Cinema, and featured an interview with both Polaris Banks, the creator of the Casey Jones fan film, uh, which is amazing and gritty and hard-boiled and looks Absolutely professional. And if you haven't seen it yet,
3: seriously, go watch it. It's
2: amazing. And, and check out our previous episode, which also features an interview with Steve Barron, oh, the director behind the original Ninja Turtles film.
4: Which
0: is amazing.
2: Which is completely amazing. Okay,
0: I'm confused. Yeah, I came into this thinking that we were doing an episode about Fallout Boy, not the game. So <laughs> I'm t- I need to leave. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get
5: the fuck out
3: of here. <laughs> we're just I am, hold on. I'm okay. really going to have to change this playlist then. No. (laughs) They've got like six albums. Brandon can lend them to you. I'll burn them. No, all it is is Fallout Boys. That's the problem.
2: (laughs) This episode's going to be nothing but Baltimore's Tarzan Boy, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Win. Okay. So we're going to be talking about Fallout. Fallout is, of course, the uh, post-apocalyptic video game series. It's a role-playing series. It's very unconventional because of its distinctive setting. And it's, it's kind of old school. It's from the mid-90s. And uh, Fallout 3, of course, is a recent mega-blockbuster hit. Released by Bethesda after the original company Interplay sold the rights to them. Shortly thereafter, Nuka Break was born into existence, an amazing fan film created by Zach Frenfrock and Wayside Creations, which is uh, intriguing for a number of reasons. One, because it uh, it looks phenomenal. I mean, it's on it's the feature for this pro grade fan film series, and uh, and what we talk about in these series is films made by fans that are truly professional works and uh they're not the uh, the sweeted Super Mario Brothers uh reinterpretations done in your mom's kitchen like th- these these are done with does, does that happen? I'm certain it A has. lot.
0: Mom, I'm going down the
6: pipe.
2: I was a great Luigi. a <laughs> 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 <just>
6: Brandon. <laughs>
5: but
7: no, on the on the flip side these Prograde fan films, as we've dubbed them, are the they blur the line between professionalism and fan love. They are imbued with that certain dedication and obsession that fans have without the budget necessarily. So you get a lot of really cool
2: stuff that way. And an interesting and uh, unique feature, probably for any fan film we're going to cover, is that this one's actually co written by a member of the team.
0: What? Did you feel it?
2: Brandon Gerson.
0: Yep, I did write it. There's lots of spiders and feces jokes.
2: That's why I enjoyed it. (laughs) Lots of birds. Lots of birds. Uh, Brian, I I hear rumor that what I just said was completely false. Is it true that you are the co-writer? Or perhaps just the writer? I'm actually confused about you and Zach's balance between
0: writer, co-writer. What are you? (coughs) Are you a man? (laughs) Did he just write? Did you just write the funny jokes, or did you write the non-funny jokes? Brian? Oh,
4: I no, I do the non-funny ones. Those are harder.
0: <laughs> and and why why did you not write any birds into this? I'm I, that's they my right. that's my concern.
4: There's the director's cut. Well, okay. actually, the, the way that it works is that uh, Zach gives gives me an outline, or he gives me what he calls a script. <laughs> In that there are names like you know the character, and then there's a there, there's a sentence. Sometimes it's grammatical, sometimes it's not. I tease out what he would rather it say if he were a good writer, and God. then and that's how it works. <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll reiterate that. So in this episode, uh, Zach is going to be on later, as well as Chris Avalone, uh, who is one of the guys from Obsidian Entertainment who created Fallout New Vegas, the sequel to Fallout Three. And he also worked on the original Fallout 2.
0: Really? As well as a number
2: of other games,
0: which oh, you've Fallout played, was Brandon. Fallout 2 so good. I played that recently. You can, you can blow up kids in that game back when you <laughs> could do that in video yep. games. Ha- have you also played Icewind Dale and its expansion
2: and sequel? No, I haven't, unfortunately. Have you also played KOTOR 2, the Sith Lords? I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> I have a list of games have I really Have you played Neverwinter Nights 2?
0: Yes. Well, there you go. He's been involved with all these Fucking things Fucking fantastic. Did he was he involved with Diablo three? No. Then I don't give a shit.
8: <laughs> 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 Me and Brandon have checked out.
0: Yeah, we're if if nothing if this isn't Diablo three related,
8: I don't give a fuck.
2: You know, if Luke's here, that m- may mean that there's a Luke's late to everything segment shoved into this uh, nerdy show prime episode. Is that true?
8: Oh my god, I do that again sometimes, don't I? Yeah, it's what been a while. Yes.
0: What were you late to this I, time, Luke?
8: I was late to the original Fallout this time.
0: Did you end up... So you played it recently?
8: I did. I, in fact, finished it just recently. I saved the ending so it would be fresh in my brain. Well, and
0: more on that as we move along.
2: So I'm pretty excited to get talking with these guys. We're going to cut to a song break, and when we get back, we'll have Zach Friendfrock and Chris Avalone on the line with us. Am I saying his name right? I guess
0: we'll ask him when he comes on. Which one? Uh, Avalone. <laughs> or Friendfrock. Sure. Friendfrock sounds like a fake stage name we just made up. It totally
5: does! <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: It sounds like I'm gonna put on my friend frock now and and gallop outside, <laughs> in my friend frock.
2: You know, you your know. When he listens to this, is gonna be. horrors in the old west, they used to wear friend frocks because they had to shave everything, so they wouldn't get the mange.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh
5: wait, that's
2: Merkins.
0: <laughs> put on your friend frock so you don't scratch it.
5: <laughs> wow, I love you, Zach. I'm gonna take a friend frock.
9: Once again for an important GNR public service announcement.
1: I monkey flip them with the arc technology I'm straight inflicting damage on the limbs of victims Radiation sick men, I'm high on stim packs. it seems Grippin' SMG Watching the scene straight through my bat screen Bullet holes left in my Tesla armor Tossin' grenades in windows Reloading guns around the corner Down in North California every day is like a nightmare Robots and slavers Barrel cool's up in the fight here Them high rollers betting blackjack and craps Drinking sunsets asparilla Trading chips for bottle caps And scavengers bringing goods they wanna treat bringing word from down south about the last Caesar's Legion raid them powdered gangsters in the desert shooting time to start the revolution from a sniper's nest I'm shooting, that's three super mutants walking around the tall grass then three headshots, I'm a wasteland assassin, came across this camp, two brothers were sleeping, I shot them both straight in the head and searched their bodies for the keys then, I hit the safe and stole all of the wares, that's when I noticed gunshots was coming from a little down the road, so I spun around and saw the scavenger coming hot, flip the screen and scoped her knees took both legs out with one shot so then I ran straight up and saw her shaking executed in the streets now all the money I'm taking so what you say it's like the wars all we see done got soldiers leaving their sons laid up in bond 101 and the boy grows up to find his father long gone so he picks up a gun and takes his long journey on check your pit boy screen the 3000 model is manufactured from Las Vegas to Washington D.C. and we scrapped to survive hacking screens becoming thieves while watching travelers die still poisoned from the FEV, this doc can fix all of your rough spots, but can't do a damn thing if your head's chopped off and you cough, needing some rad X. You can't get enough, picking up some random jobs just to get more of the stuff. Yo, I breathe deep as my body's feeling tested. I sleep when I can, I can wake up well rested. Beyond apocalypse, life is defined. I think of mine when I'm in a fallout state of mind. Fallout state of mind. That I'm a member of the Brotherhood of Steel in the field Questing like a fiend to get my level on the reel. Stepping round the capital wasteland like forever Two steps from the front door of Bethesda But just a prospector with companions at my arms Stepping round these landmines while I'm keeping up my karma I ain't the type of gamer made for you to start testing You ask me the wrong question, I'll leave arms and legs resting Thinking of bottle caps, magazine subscription. Sent here on a mission by Mr. House to enlist all of the factions on the new strip. A great war approaching. Yes, man's got me creeping on the low to meet my quotient. Full of blood flies and soldiers, ants, coals, and roaches. Turrets up on the ceiling that shoot when you approach them. I'm living where the night skies are blue-gray. And sentries patrol the edge of the towns always. From boomers to great cons, followers of apocalypse, earning their trust to stop those who took a shot at us. I got so much resting in my inventory, dropping extra ammo and items to keep going. The mer-fat man killing behemoths with a single shot. Hardcore mode, got me saving my game a lot. The city never sleeps full of villains and creeps. Don't drink the standing water, don't eat iguana meat. I'm an addict for bobbleheads, boxes, all of them, roaming around and finishing everything that I started and inhale deep till my thumbs get stuck. I never sleep cause I'm playing till the sun comes up. Yeah, And all I'm doing is living on borrowed time, life will never Never be the same in a fallout state of mind.
3: Welcome back. What you just listened to was Fallout State of Mind by Adam Warrock. As you can guess, that song was inspired by the awesome game Thing franchise kebabber. Fallout. <laughs> and not Fallout Boy.
2: Not Fallout Boy. Okay. No. no. clarify
3: that. Okay. You I, still owe me five bucks over that bag.
2: As promised, with us on the line, we have Zach Finfrock and Chris Avalone. And uh, also, lurking in the background, Tyvee Diskin, uh, <laughs> who's one of the stars of Nuka Break and also, according to your website, the chairman of the board for Wayside Creations. Yes. Is that an honorary title or do you actually.
10: No, I, I run the meetings. She actually does stuff, yes. I'm also sort of in charge of PR.
11: <laughs> in charge of Wayside
0: Relations.
10: <laughs> yeah, Wayside wow.
0: Relations. Oh, Facebook. Posting on Facebook. That's actually That's the, use, That's actually the email,
2: yeah. <laughs> so, guys, when, in our, in our four previous section, we uh, we introduced you. We talked about the project. We talked about why it's cool. Um, but right now, I want to talk about how it got started. You guys recorded a, uh, a pilot episode, and that went on to be a... Uh, fan-funded, full-blown web series that uh, is extremely popular. How did things get started with Wayside Creations? What led to the creation of Nuka Break?
11: Well, Nuka Break was just, I mean, it was just a passion project, a fan film. I just wanted to really show my love for Fallout. And I can remember talking about fan films with the group that, you know, I lived with and filmmakers. And every time I brought up the idea of a fan film, it was actually shot down pretty quick because, you know, the argument is, well, why don't we just do original content? And make our own stuff. And that, I mean, I can't argue with that. That makes sense. But as soon as I thought of doing a Fallout fan film, I honestly, it was weird because everyone's opinion was the exact opposite because either because it's uh, Fallout or because it's post-apocalyptic. So we did the fan film, spent two days. Which we
10: didn't expect to become a web series. We just thought it would be a standalone
11: Yeah, We just did the web series or we did the, the fan film just as a standalone thing. And we ended it with a little, like, teaser, haha. you know, it could continue from here. <laughs> but that's just because I love, personally, I love after-the-credits things. Even if it's not a, a hint towards what's to come, I just like after-the-credit jokes. I actually, I honestly think it was Brian's idea when it came to writing the script to have Red be, like, the end thing at the end of the original fan film. Then we had an opportunity to do a program with the filmmaking company Indie Mogul, Called the Awesome Directors Project, and the whole concept of that is every Monday is a like a tutorial from a specific director based on one, on a project that they're working on. I was given the chance to be part of the Awesome Directors Project because I had just recently stopped hosting uh, the show Backyard Effects on Indie Mobile, and the project we decided to do to really spearhead and be the flagship for Wayside Creations was a. Nuka Break web series. I mean, as much as I love doing Nuka Break, and I like the project and wanted to do a web series, the deciding factor was because of the Awesome Directors Project.
2: Something you mentioned was the uh, the stigma of fan films. And that's something that's one of the key things we talk about in these pro-grade fan film episodes. Uh, because, you know, fan films have become uh, an online institution, a way for fans to interact with popular franchises. But, uh, you know, many of them are uh, really simple... Terrible? Yeah, terrible, yeah, crap. <laughs> <laughs> and you made a conscious decision to uh, to throw that stigma to the wind and and do something and do it well. So much so that you uh, got the attention of the creators or, at the time, the, the owners of the Fallout property themselves uh, at Bethesda and eventually had somebody like Chris working alongside you guys. And he... Uh, Chris, you oversee the... Fallout Bible is that correct?
12: The Fallout Bible is something that uh, we did way back at Black Isle about like eight or nine years ago. That's not necessarily the lore that Bethesda is using for Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas. Uh, we actually got introduced to Zach and I think Aaron also during yeah. uh, one E three so show.
11: E three two thousand ten. I, I had to, I had I had some questions for the fan film and I wanted the fan film to be as canon as possible and i'd been following the the fall bible and you know the, the vault of the you know all the stuff online but i needed to you know have some questions answered because fall of new vegas was coming out and my choices in the story could conflict with what was going to happen in fall of new vegas so they were having a thing at e3 and i Talk to some guy. I don't even remember his name, but he was like, uh, That would that would, be,
12: uh, that, that would be that uh, would be the Bethesda producer, uh, Jason Bergman, is the
11: one who inter- introduced us. He's oh. like,
12: Hey, there's these two guys doing a fan film. I'd like to run their script by you. And I'm like, That sounds great.
11: Yeah. And it's funny because I knew who you were, Chris, before Aww. I was going to be talking. No, because I mean, because I've been following the Fallout Bible and all that. And I, the guy was like, Well, you need to talk to Chris. And then you know he waved you over and you came over and it, you, know, you had a thing that said Chris Avalon. And I was like, yes, you're right. I need to talk to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that, out.
4: that Chris, your reaction is the exact opposite of mine. Like if somebody had come up saying, oh, we've got these people have a fan film for Atomic Robo, I would not have been, yes, I have to see this script and oversee it. Um,
12: if you've ever tried to get a job in the pen and paper gaming or computer game industry and you get nothing but a long series of rejections from every single person that tries to suggest an idea to you it's a very demoralizing experience and I've been on the opposite end of that so whenever anyone comes to me with hey will you check this out will you give me some critique will you give me some feedback or advice I don't get exhausted by it. I just realize I was once in that same place, and I remember all the jackasses that turned me away versus the ones that actually helped me out, and I want to be one of the ones that help out.
4: Wow,
11: so
12: you're, that's
0: Brian.
4: why you're a better person.
11: Yeah, I was
12: going to say, wow, well,
5: you're,
0: you're Brian's opposite.
11: Yeah, Brian, Brian is not a nice person, so...
2: <laughs> well, Brian, uh, you and Zach work together on Warbot and Accounting, so I know how you know each other, was there any particular reason that you got involved with this project? Zach asked me.
0: <laughs> see, now, I want to know, why didn't you just turn him away <laughs> like you turn all my ideas away? Why? What were you like, I see this spark oh, in his oh, eyes? Well,
4: no, that's an easy question. I like Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, I guess that's what it comes down to.
2: So when, when you guys were filming season one, you said you uh, you did the the pilot in a couple days. Uh, how long was the shooting for the first season?
0: The, the first season was
11: six days. No, it was more uh, not six for, days. Way, let me finish. Uh oh, uh oh, here we go. <laughs> it was six days for the original schedule, and then in total, ended up being probably ten days over. Like the course of having to film for two more days for the last episode and a pickup day for another scene. Like it, it added up over time. But we did film for six days straight for the first chunk of it.
2: When you went into uh, working on the script for that, you you knew the general extent of, of where you were going um, with the plot, right? Like, So you were you developing towards the series potentially continuing from that point?
11: Actually, the original idea I had for season one had an ending that wasn't a big cliffhanger. Uh, we need to continue it. It was just kind of like, okay, here's the end. And then we realized we only had enough money to film for six days, not for <laughs> two weeks. So then... We had to figure out what, at what point in the original idea and script was a good, like you know, cutoff point for the end of the season, and then the town burnt down in real life, so we had to figure that out. <laughs> it,
10: it burnt down. It burnt down a, a few days after we finished filming.
11: It was like a, maybe like a week, but it maybe was it week, was very I mean, it close was to us. We filmed there a and narrow then.
5: Escape.
11: Yeah, it was so narrow. A week. <laughs> yeah, so we, we were there, and then we. Like, our buddies was like, hey, you know, the Eastwood burnt down, and we had him go take a picture. And what's funny is our good friend Steve Dangler, he took a lot of photos on set uh, when he was there. And he took one photo on top of a hill to see the entire, like, like set as it is in the valley. And then my friend took a picture of it after the fire, and by complete coincidence, my friend took that picture had to have been within five feet of where Steve took the photo. <laughs> so I was able I was able to lay the photograph one on top of another and you can see when you know the photo on top is the town and the photo underneath is just nothing but ashes. And the like every single building that we have on you know that's in front of the camera is now gone.
4: Zach can I ask a really sensitive question? Sure. Does anybody on the cast or crew smoke? Probably. But no there, oh, there, there was a guy <laughs>
11: They, there was a guy there who was who who lived near the set and who kind of watched over the whole location, because like, I don't know what a hundred yards away, two hundred yards away, there was like an old like Mexican town set in the same location. Like this is a movie set, so they've got all these different set pieces around there, and the guy who was living there, it, it, it was a complete accident, obviously, but he accidentally started the fire with a candle in his in the place he was living in, and There's he like a trailer. yeah, he almost didn't get out himself. I mean I'm happy, you know, no one was truly hurt hurt. It was not us. We did not start the fire. We didn't
6: start <laughs> the fire. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: so was well, the decision to uh destroy Eastwood at the very end of that episode? Did that come following the uh the script or was it just a, a happy coincidence that they actually paralleled each other?
11: Oh, no, no, no. that was uh, because the actual city burnt down. Like, we had to figure out how or why we can't use it for season two. Because the original, the original, like, season ender was going to be them at, I guess, episode five was kind of the end. Episode five was the original season ending uh, where they decide to go after Leon and continue on, and they both, you see them basically just walking towards Eastwood. And then the reveal of Red at the end of episode five was kind of our nod, like, okay, she was revealed to be alive at the end of the web series. Well, here she is at the end of the, or she was revealed to be alive at the end of the fan film. Here she is now at the end of the web series. You know, she'll play a big part in season two. Then the town burnt down. Then we realized we had a lot of unanswered questions anyway. We we
10: knew we were going to film one. We knew we needed one more episode pretty soon after we finished that first six days of filming. Yeah. We said we we're going to have to keep going because we don't quite have enough here. Uh, and so that was a... I guess the town burning down was kind of helpful in that way. Yeah. Now we have something interesting to put at the end of the episode.
11: Because uh, yeah, season two was supposed to start at like a night scene where all the buildings like you had lights. Like we were really excited about using it again.
0: I like how the town mysteriously burned down and helped your <laughs> film. Mysteriously helped you out somehow. Yes. Moving on. Coincidental.
2: <laughs> Guys, what, what was your I guess individually your uh, favorite parts of the filming?
11: My favorite stuff is anything with Doug Jones. For this, for season one, season two, I think my favorite part, or for the fan film, my favorite part was running around puppeteering the uh, the iBot that was flying around. <laughs> um, yeah, for the original fan film, it was the it was the puppeteering of the iBot. Because what's funny is. If you see the unedited footage that, you know, doesn't cut me out and, you know, you, you see me holding it, I'm in full costume holding <laughs> a blue pole underneath this iBot, you know, running <laughs> sideways and bobbing the iBot up and down.
10: And there's a few takes with, with Giles out of his ghoul makeup, but he has the yeah. iBot.
11: Yeah, so it's it's funny seeing just that unedited Like, there's, you know, it's Twig, turn off your radio. It's not my radio. And then they both look up and they see the iBot flying in the distance, but you see Tybee's (laughs) shoulder in that shot. If you see see it unedited, it cuts from me and Tybee sitting there talking, then cuts to me 50 feet away with a pole walking with the iBot. That's just funny to me. Um, Then for the web series, it's anything with Doug Jones because he was the first real, like, Actor, actor. Like, I mean, I count everyone. I all my friends as actors, but he is the first that has. has, You know, he's a professional, career known around the world. It was amazing. He is the nicest and creepiest, like because (laughs) he's so nice guy in the world. There's so much love from Doug Jones and for him. It was four five thirty in the morning. He was Mm -hmm. the third person on set. It was me and two other people, and then Doug Jones with you know. Steve Dangler picked him up and he's hugging everybody. He's cheerful. He's like really excited about it. I mean, I honestly don't know what I did expect, but I did not expect for him to be as amazing as he is. Yeah, he's told me that he loves playing Mayor Connors because he doesn't actually have to act. (laughs) And what's funny is I did not know that that's how he was in real life. We wrote it thinking it would be funny to have a guy be very touchy feeling mean, you can ask Brian we were talking about it when we were writing it it's just funny to have the mayor be like have no personal boundaries but that's just how Doug is,
5: is- <laughs> yeah. for, for so me it works perfect
2: yeah. when i watched the ending of season 1 the greatest disappointment was thinking that oh shit the mayor's been blown up i'm not going to get to see him do weird shit anymore yeah.
5: well
11: he will be back in season 2 doug yes. will he'll be he'll yes. be in, doug will be in season 2 in some
10: capacity yeah
11: i am not going to reveal in any way how because i you know i want all of season two to be a surprise but he will doug jones will be back he loves he loves us and he loves our projects and he he's a great guy he's become
10: a friend
0: yeah i love his hat it is
7: an amazing hat and And i just the hat
11: survives (laughs) his hat that that's our costume designer katie broad she did and the incredible His job that that has. His costume is my favorite. Yeah.
10: His, like, weird crisscross shoulder pad <laughs> armor thing. Yeah. And the hat.
11: And he's already tall, so to have that hat on him... <laughs> it's,
0: it's just, just ridiculous funny. tall,
11: yeah. yeah.
2: Chris, what was your capacity working with the crew for season one?
12: Oh, uh, it was non-existent. Really, the only, the only thing I did was look over the script and then uh, give Zach some feedback on it, and that was pretty much about it. I do have a, a favorite scene, though. My favorite scene is the one where they're recollecting how they rescued Scar from the Caesar Legion <laughs> camp, and that had me dying. That was such a perfect moment of seeing Zach and Aaron crying and wailing like children as Tybee's character is hauling them out of the camp with the explosions all around. It was excellent.
0: <laughs> that was pretty funny. the The part where I kept laughing was when they added in like the mysterious stranger from the games, yep. just rescuing him <laughs> and then disappearing. And I fucking was like, "That's amazing that they put that in there." The music that and everything. Was
11: really, the only like true you had to play the game to know why that happened. Yeah,
0: it was amazing.
4: It was I, also uh, as, as it was emphasized in the original outline. As far as I could tell, the whole reason that it was just season one is to make that gag. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
11: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was originally supposed to be at the very end of the season like with
0: the original ending.
11: Yeah, it was he was he was going to come in and save the day at the very end.
0: Yeah, I was hoping but that like, while like, I was watching it.
11: Yeah, he was going to like kill the big bad guy. And it was going to be like a big like okay, that that's how like a really like twist ending uh type thing but in a really ridiculous way
2: zach we talked with brian earlier in the intro segment about the writing process okay. <laughs> <Very flat. laughs> we, we have we have brian's side of, of how nuka break is written uh what is it in your eyes
11: well we don't work together we work completely separately uh, <laughs> no what what i do what okay here's here here's the process as far as i am considered Uh, it, it was a matter of me coming up with the very basic idea and the outline and then writing a very short like script with a lot of brackets that say funny things happen here or here's a joke that I want to happen, but make it funnier. And then I would give it to Brian and then he would, you know, take two, three days and then send, just send me script, you know, the the scripts as he writes them, and that was it.
0: You know it's that's really it. funny as he pretty much said the same thing.
11: Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not going to lie. It is story by Zach, written by Brian. Like that's <laughs> that's how it is with Nuka Break. At least from from the original fan film and most of season one.
4: That's also how I work with Scott on Atomic Robo. If if he has a plot idea or story idea, it's a lot of broad strokes from him with bracket. Make it good, make it funny, make it whatever I'm trying to say. I'm the artist. I don't work in words. Yeah,
11: The original Fallout uh, fan film script was like 25 or 28 pages long. We had to cut it down to like 15 pages to film it in two days, and I hated the fact that we had to cut it down. Because everything Brian came up with was great. And I didn't want to lose any of it.
10: Oh, yeah. I remember us yeah. sitting down and having to kind of... There was a, It was a really long... It, it
11: was a much longer script. It had more characters than the original fan film. Yeah. Oh, wow. But that's that was mostly all Brian. Like, it was... With the original bounty hunter fight in the first fan film, it was... Here's... I, I think I can probably find my original script, but it was basically... Here's... <laughs> the characters walk up, and they're encountered by Tanner and his group of bounty hunters... And they fight, and then here's what I want to happen at the end. And there's a lot of banter in between. go, and then Brian wrote like eleven pages for this <laughs> one scene, and it was all I loved all of it. But we had to we had to bring it down.
2: So uh, those gags and everything actually haven't been filmed and as part of the se- series or anything. They're just trapped in this lost script. Then
11: we'll um, put it on
4: the yeah. laser disc. <laughs> yeah the laser disc yeah though there was there's
11: a lot of specific jokes that were very specific to that moment that i don't think we can reuse mm. in fact I wanna, now to now now that you say that i'm gonna go back and reread the original
0: 28 page
11: no, script
5: no.
2: you should uh, release it as a perk for season two.
0: Oh yeah the original fan film script <laughs> <laughs> you can always go back in 20 years and make a director's cut and just new, new digitally yeah. edited supposed to be all wrong yeah <laughs> Zach, we're gonna have your
2: son play you in this, in this digital composite scene. <laughs> all the guns well, t-
11: are
8: out. No, at this point, it's all just gonna Had be CG. Add in a
10: vaguely Jamaican character with large ears.
8: In <laughs> that unicorn scene, you always wanted. Oh yeah, I mean that's right there. That was,
11: that was the first scene.
2: we're gonna cut to some music and when we come back we're gonna talk about season two as much as we can what do you got for us hex well uh this
3: uh new chip tuner named edward shallow just recently released a new album called word head law and this track emerald watches is pretty dang snazzy and i thought it uh be a nice uh contribution to this uh episode oh thank you here it is
2: about Nuka Break Season 2. The Kickstarter's going on right now, and as of this recording, it is way past funded. Uh, and it's just chugging right along. And Congratulations! Hooray! We, um, we have a confetti ball and it burst, and it's showering us. I wish we could send a little bit of it your way, but n- no. Oh, it's in my eye! <laughs> so, in fact, you guys uh, just added two new perks, uh, and they are very, very cool. There's a, uh, a t-shirt. Kick-ass...
0: Vault 10 t-shirt. Okay,
2: by oh, perks, yeah. I thought yeah, you meant skills. Like that,
5: huh? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought you were referring um, to Fallout perks. Well, at we, boy.
11: we realized towards actually the beginning of our uh, our Kickstarter campaign that the DVDs are at 100. And we have them at that level because it's still expensive for us to make DVDs. Because we're not going to be kickstarting, or we're not going to have... 15,000 backers, so we can't mass-produce a bunch of DVDs. We still have to do them ourselves. And, and
2: it is really exclusive, right? The DVDs on, on both ones, uh, it, physical copies of the film, are are only via the Kickstarter.
11: Yeah, yeah, we can't sell them because we can't make a profit on anything Fallout or Nuka Break. So it is solely for this, you know, the, the, the Kickstarter or the Indiegogo from season one. So then we realized we wanted to give a, a nice physical perk to people who can't donate hundred dollars but still want some, you know want a, a decent little thing. So we figured we can do T-shirts for you know a bulk order of T-shirts for uh, fairly cheap and as long as it's one design and you know limited sizes. So we decided to do a T-shirt for uh, thirty-five.
2: And they're they're very cool. I don't remember what I donated at, but I'm definitely going to double check to make sure that it's at that level. <laughs> cause, uh, cause they're really sweet. They've got um, just to describe it for the listeners. It's, it's a vault. Looks like a vault ten, uh, like jumpsuit, and it's got uh, Nuka Cola shoved up in the pockets.
11: Which I don't think there's an actual pocket on the vault suit right there. Right. <laughs> but we needed to put Nuka Break somewhere on the t-shirt and have it make sense.
7: Well, for Vault Ten, I'm sure they would have made the alterations to carry extra stores of food around with them.
11: That's nice. a good point. You're right. <laughs> you we're, win. We're into the costume design. <laughs> the way I look at it, Vault 10, they had nothing but spandex uh, vault suits, just like the original Vault 1 and 2 vault
0: suits. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you don't really need much else when you're living in an air conditioned vault. Well, I mean, you don't need anything for the weather. So you can just wear spandex all the time. Or nothing. Or velour. <laughs> or velour. <laughs> Everyone wears velour. Uh.
2: Well, since we're on the, the subject, uh, I was at the, the panel you guys had at PAX East where you uh, screened the entire first series and the pilot. It was a really great experience because there were a lot of people in the audience who just wandered in because it was Fallout and actually hadn't seen or heard of the, the film before and came up to the mic and was like, oh man, how can I give you money? But at that event, it uh, it came up that there's a chance that Vault 10... Actually, sort of exists within the continuity of, of Fallout. Like it doesn't because it doesn't contradict it, it. It's kind of true.
11: Well, that that was one of the things I first asked Chris. That was that was actually my biggest question for Chris when I first met him at E3, because my original vault for Twig was Vault 11. He, you know, I sent him my notes and things like that, and one, he told me, well, Vault 11 is being used in New Vegas, so you know, here are the numbers that st- we're still not using, so I just went to Vault 10 because that wasn't one that was using. So technically Vault 10 was, an, you know, uh, a vault that did not have an experiment on it yet. So, you know, I, I, it could be canon. I mean, we. that's my biggest thing with this series and with everything is trying to f- make it as canon as possible.
0: So what you're saying is if they make another Fallout game, they could write this character into it if they make a vault, like a vault 10. Like he is from this and could put him in that there, game.
12: There would in fact be room for that. Yes.
0: That's
2: pretty cool. Must be a certain gratifying feeling there. An erection. These, these officially unofficial ties you guys have.
11: I, I We didn't know what the response was going to be from Bethesda when it came to the the fan film. So I wanted to keep it as easy as possible if they did decide to be cool and 501st us into the canon.
2: you guys want to keep everything relatively secret about season two but which is of course very understandable with this kickstarter drive and everything uh with it still ongoing what what can you tell people to get them excited about it any listeners that haven't contributed you know a little bit of something to the project like what's what do you have to tempt them tell me why i should give you money for season two
10: well luckily because we are still getting backers and it's getting bigger by the day, um, this the project gets more rich, the more donations we get, so... <laughs>
0: Literally, more rich. Not to mention how rich
11: we get. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, I,
10: don't, I mean rich, rich <laughs> like a chocolate cake, not rich like... Like, like money. Like, Wait,
0: um, so, like,
2: the same length of script, the same shooting, but this time, everything's lined with $100 bills. <laughs>
10: <laughs> right. Yeah.
7: Stretch limos to and from set, you know.
10: Exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, no, we, we want to in, include more um, effects... Uh, bigger and better and faster and stronger. Or, um, that's
11: that's one of the big things with season one that people don't get is uh, eleven eleven MediaWorks who did all of our visual effects for season one,
10: which is uh, you know spearheaded by Roger Nall. Yes, who is a, a wonderful, wonderful man.
11: Yes, I'm sure he'll listen to this. Hi, Roger. Roger. Um, anyway, we he came to us and offered his help for free, free of charge. The only, wow. I mean, downside to that is if he got a normal paying gig, he'd have to focus on that instead of our stuff. Right. And, yeah you know, I mean, he gets, yeah, he gets work all the time, so of course he's going to be working on that. And now, with Season 2, we'll be able to sit down and, and go through all the effects and pay him for it. So he'll be able to sit and work on our stuff until it's done, not in his free time.
6: Yay! And,
11: he still he still did so much in a limited amount of time. It's ridiculous, but the reason it, it just now that we can now that we're raising more money, like I said, we get to do more and focus one hundred percent into it instead of fifty percent because we also have to pay our bills otherwise.
10: Hmm. Um, I also think something that's going to be exciting about season two is we'll get to learn more of the backstories of all the characters rather than just Twig. Yes,
5: um, <laughs> you
2: including- say with a certain amount of bitterness.
10: No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I mean a little, but, <laughs> but yeah. No, Ben, uh, the ranger. We get to find out a little bit about him. Um, we might get to find out, we find out more about Raz. Yes, who's played by Steve Dangler. Um,
11: You're, there's going to be a lot be more character, more like depth. depth in season two. Nice, because uh, and I'm not saying it was a a a problem, but. One of the reasons why the original season was kind of lacking in that was because of our limited pre-production time we had because of the Awesome Directors Project for season one.
5: Right. We had
11: to make a deadline of releasing the first episode at a certain day, but now with season two, since it's on our own, we get to really sit back and make sure things are done 100% the way we want it.
2: And what was the uh, in total for season one's Kickstarter?
11: 28,000. eight seven. Do you you know what you're at
0: now for the new season?
11: Right now we're at uh, ninety six thousand five hundred and forty. Just a little bit. Holy shit! Are you serious? Yeah.
12: God damn it, you guys! (laughs) Oh my god! Wow.
11: We're still we're still twenty four thousand away from you being involved officially. We'll make it.
12: <laughs> wow. I have to. That, wow, that's
11: pretty incredible. And we still—well, we hit—we hit our original goal in 19 days. Our 60,000. Okay, dollars. now you're now you're just bragging. <laughs> <laughs>
5: now, you're, now you're totally
11: bragging.
10: So, the good thing about about us being independent is we still get excited. There's yes. no, there's no like, well, we knew we were gonna. We still get excited and jump up and down and do stupid dances when we make goals. Yes. Um, because we we are not backed by anybody really but fans even steve was a fan so we still get excited and have you know celebration beers and throw little parties for ourselves because we still can't believe it yeah we feel so lucky to be able to be part of packs like to go and be on a panel i'm like people want to ask me questions i don't even know what that means (laughs) it's so weird so we we still get excited there's definitely not no, no, I don't think the ego has really built at all. We we still feel no, really excited.
11: No, the, the ego will have built when uh, we're making our third feature film with Lionsgate or Universal, and they've you know that's because it's just part of the contract. You know, we have to. <laughs> know.
10: Do not, you so, You should not know, like a. a we're it's on, like a. We're on movie seven oh, of our seven. Yeah, so it's content. like,
11: oh well, I knew I was going to get this kind con- or this movie deal because well, it's our third contract and our or third movie in our contract. Blah so, blah blah.
10: You know. No, we still we still get totally stoked about stuff.
0: If you gain an ego, you will become like Brian. I just want to stress that. Evil. And then children come to me and
10: ask me to read their scripts, and I will say, no, child! <laughs>
0: I'm better than you. You're worthless. Get away from me.
7: I need not your
6: pits.
0: <laughs> so I, I have to ask uh, real quick, because I, I've been wanting to ask this all day, but really just for the past hour. All of season one, you talk about having limited pre-production time, limited time in general, and you talked about who created the visual effects, but... How in God's name did you create all of the outfits and the props and like the combustion sword? I forget the name of it. Like, like, Did you guys have a shish separate God. company?
11: No, actually. Uh, we, shish kebab, yeah. we just worked with a visual effects artist. The Sorry. shish
10: kebab is literally right next to me, by the way.
13: Yes. Oh they, and God. it works. That was a fake fire. Fuck uh, yeah.
11: Ralas Khan. He contacted me because of my work on back-end effects, but then I came to him and I said, hey, we're doing a web series for Fallout, and we worked with Rallis Khan, and he, just like Roger Knoll of 11.11 11 Media Works, Rallis offered his work for just cost of supplies. He didn't actually get paid either.
2: It was
0: a lot of supplies.
11: Oh, I mean, it's he, overall, with all the props and makeup effects and costumes and everything, we probably had 80000 to to $100,000 worth of props and special effects done by this guy for the cost of supplies, which came up to maybe three grams.
0: Jesus. Cause, yeah, because they looked. Some of those props were very impressive. I was like, "How the hell did you guys have time to do this?" And now I found but out
11: we had we had two months of pre-production, okay. which seems like a lot of time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not. But
11: when but when <laughs> no not. one's getting paid and people are only doing it for you know to help out in pre-production, that I mean, collectively, we probably had. Over the two months, we probably only had three weeks in total of pre-production, and for a project this big, that even then had thirty thousand dollars was still not enough time.
2: Let me ask this: with this uh, this perk that you mentioned, which uh, involved like it's not a perk. This uh, the next the next tier of funding is uh, the goal is to get Chris on uh, in an official capacity. But Chris what? Chris and Tim Kane. Yeah, yeah, both of those guys. Uh, and not, not only consulting kind of way, but also as uh, actually bit parts in the film. But what will their actual presence, official presence on the projects entail?
12: First off, Tim Kang will undoubtedly tell wonderful stories about Fallout and about game development in general. And nice. they will last many hours and you'll be entranced. And at the end of the hour, you'll wake up and go, wow, what just happened? And Tim will be just like, you know what? I told you a beautiful story. And that will be part of Tim's involvement.
5: <laughs>
11: <laughs> um no, I that mean, sounds awesome. it, yeah, I'm, I'm it's with that. It's, it's, it's pretty great. Not. We don't need to raise 120,000 for that. Let's just do that this week. I mean, what
5: been-
12: <laughs> yeah, just just film <laughs> Tim talking. That's wonderful. Yeah.
11: <laughs> no, uh, their involvement will be right at the very beginning with writing because we are still working on on the scripts, making sure they're perfect. And uh, I mean, Brian hasn't even had a chance to put his funny onto it yet. So
5: thank God. We're still- we're still they, working along. First
11: they
4: perfect the script, then I come in and make it all goofy.
11: Yes. <laughs> Brian sprinkles his, his funny dust all over it. <laughs> that's, that's not <laughs> dust. Well,
4: let's not <laughs> call <it> that. <laughs>
11: <laughs> what we're going to do is when we have a, a really solid, you know, five page outline, because uh, Tybee and I are actually writing season two. Whereas before it was just me and Brian, now it's Tybee and me and Brian. And then what we'll do is. We'll get a really. We're gonna finish a really nice, solid five-page outline of the entire first season. Send that off to Chris and Tim. See their, you know, what are they? What their opinions? Their you know suggestions? If they think one thing will work better, because their knowledge of the Fallout world goes you know well beyond mine. And then once we all really like what we're doing, then we'll go to Brian and see if he has any funny that can be injected, uh, Injected, yes, uh, in, into it. Uh, and then, yeah, it comes down to the scripts. I mean, we, we're, we're going to finish the scripts, and it'll kind of be in that same process because I like to have the major story points across before Brian makes it funnier. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like, that's just how it's worked out well. I, would, I
4: prefer my- that also because it's a lot easier to fit into my work schedule and... I will have a tendency where if I have any kind of idea that I even – I just think might be funny, whether or not it actually is, I will just fucking go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and that could be like really bad for what you know, Zach and, and the crew but, are actually capable of doing and what they plan to do. Yeah. So the more structure there is, the better it is on, on my end. Yeah.
11: There have been times when you, Brian, you've asked me like yeah. what, what would happen if –
4: or where would Twig go or what – you... <laughs>
11: Brian's
10: like, what if we burned Eastwood down? And we're
4: like, no, no. I was like, yes, yes.
5: (laughs) (laughs) One
2: phone call later, and it was done.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe
4: you burned it down. Hey, I gotta go. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: Brian later later tonight can you inject some of your funny inside of me as well
2: oh
11: <laughs> anyway um, just after, after you know once we get to the uh, you know filming part Tim and Chris I mean they're both welcome to hang out the entire time we film and I know Chris you've mentioned in the past that you've wanted to just hang out and you know be involved but now we're actually going to write Absolutely. characters for them not sure yet who these characters will be if there'll be reoccurring or a single episode type thing reoccurring
10: no recurring recurring yes
11: <laughs> is it recurring or reoccurring it's recurring. there's recurring? no
0: o. what is it occurring re like is it occurring again is it re i'm
11: not gonna i'll just go with what she said <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because in, in the stretch goal announcement we announced that we announced that you know jokingly if if you know some a lot of it will end up on the cutting room floor and uh I have to be honest with you Chris and if Tim was here I'd say the same thing if you guys are horrible actors we're gonna have to come around you
12: I I, I would understand that's what we do for Zach though
11: yes so we're not it's nothing new for us
2: (laughs) (laughs) Chris I want to take some time right now to talk about yourself and uh, your really kick ass career in gaming earlier in the episode we read off some of uh some of what we perceive to be uh, your greatest hits from the, the catalog of things you've done listed on Wikipedia. And, uh, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great, I must say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fallout 2, Icewind Dale, uh, KOTOR 2, Neverwinter Nights 2. I mean, that's that's really, uh, I mean, incredible for Zach to have somebody who's not just worked on Fallout New Vegas, but, in fact, Fallout 2. And also, uh, I was surprised to see Van Buren, which is the, uh, the working, like, secret... Blue Harvesty kind of title for Fallout 3 before it uh, was sold to uh, Bethesda.
0: Have you ever been involved with a terrible game? Because all of your games are phenomenal. I-, I picked the good ones out of the list. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. You didn't tell me that.
2: <laughs> well,
12: yeah. So yeah, LinkedIn doesn't include all the titles, I don't believe. I worked on this really terrible D&D game called Descent to Undermountain. And man, was that just a, a nightmare project. And that was like the first thing I worked on in game development. I'm like, Jesus Christ, is it, like going to be like this forever? And then it just got better.
0: <laughs> we need to get that.
12: Yeah, and you know what? But then, like, you know, then more recently, like, uh, we got the opportunity to, like, do the South Park RPG, which is something, like, we never dreamed would happen for a role-playing game. Like, when we first got the the call from the South Park guys, we actually thought another game company was punking us. And we're like, <laughs> oh, there is no way. This is from South Park. And then it all it all panned out really well. So that, that was pretty cool. And then... Like uh, Wasteland 2, you know, I got kicked up through Kickstarter, and that was super great to be able to do. And I'm just really happy that Kickstarter is around because it gives Zach and Tybee and Aaron lots of money to make cool shit, and it gives us lots of money to make cool games, and that makes my
2: soul happy.
11: I like how you called our stuff shit, but then you're like, and it gives us a chance to make games and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) They
2: make cool shit. I make games. Well, tell us a bit about uh, Wasteland 2. Uh, I know it exists, but I actually don't know much about it.
12: Well, it's a sequel to a 1980s RPG called Wasteland 1. I know it's a big shocker there. Uh, Which was sort of the spiritual predecessor to the Fallout. Fallout series, but because Interplay could not do another wasteland title because it was owned by Electronic Arts, they were forced to do a brand new post-apocalyptic RPG, and that became Fallout, which ended up being a good thing because Fallout turned out very, very well. Well, I didn't really like it though. You did not at all, Zach. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not for everyone. Was it, was it, the, was it the birds? Was it the birds that bothered you? Yes. <laughs>
2: I, I I did not know that I was completely unaware. Actually, that's really cool.
12: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, uh, actually, Fallout was supposed to be a Gerps RPG at one point, but then uh, Steve Jackson and Interplay kind of had a parting of the ways, and then uh, they had to reinvent the whole system, and that turned out well. So it's been kind of a crazy franchise uh, experience.
2: Well what, uh, What's in store for Wasteland Two? Is that Is that out or uh, or in development right now or
12: Uh, No, the uh, projected date is uh, October 2013, and we're doing uh, all the design meetings for it right now with uh, Brian Fargo and a lot of the original crew from Wasteland 1, like uh, Ken St. Andre and uh, Mike Stackpole, and uh, getting the whole crew back together, kind of like the Blues Brothers. (laughs) Is this still owned by EA? I'm actually not sure how that all works, except that they seem to be okay with the Wasteland 2 thing, and Brian and them talk a great deal, so... I think that that's all okay, but I don't know for
5: sure, (laughs) because it involves
12: legal stuff and contracts. I never read those before I sign them.
0: Yeah, the thing that's a bit weird is that they would be directly competing, obviously, with the Fallout series, and the Fallout series has so much pull that is it just going to kill it or not make it? Like, I don't know. I, mean, just- uh, well, I think that
12: they they have some similarities, but basically they're, they're two different types of games. And then mm. again, you have to recognize that it's it's technically two different publishers. So, you know, if if Bethesda was doing a wasteland game, uh, then they would be competing with themselves. But another publisher might you know want to get back in the post-apocalyptic action. So, wait, wasteland Wasteland serves that purpose.
2: Taking it back all the way to '98 or before that probably. Um, What was your role with Fallout 2? Uh,
12: I got to do level design for a location called New Reno and then do some work for Vault City and a location called the Raiders and a lot of the special encounters for Fallout 2. And we went a little bit too far with some of the jokes and humor for Fallout 2. You but, say
2: you uh, went too far. Right? I don't think you
12: went uh, far enough. I remember... Uh, uh, you know what? Yeah. And there's fans that say that, and I, I am truly surprised to hear that even to this day. <laughs> that
0: is, that's actually one of the main things I miss from the newer games, is that there isn't a random like Doctor Who police box in the middle that teleports out of nowhere or well I I figured he was talking specifically
2: about child killer (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: there's no there's no murdering of
12: children that's not allowed anymore that
0: was really a shame but oh well (laughs) <laughs> sometimes I want to get my frustrations out by planting a bomb in a child's pocket in a town <laughs> and in the video is, game that
12: was yeah. <laughs> the best he uses of pickpocket ever I think there was even one quest where you could uh, tell, tell a kid to go say hello to his father or go bother his dad <laughs> yeah you plant he a
0: bomb in there yeah exactly
12: and then when he got close to his dad he blew up and yeah that was a terrible way to solve a quest But
0: uh, <laughs> you mean, yeah him. but it was the most fun to be honest Using the resources
7: available at the time.
0: (laughs) Probably the best use of a child, honestly, in a game or real life. (laughs) Why? That's what they're made for, right?
7: I don't know. I'm never having one. B- Brandon, we're going to have to have a talk after the episode about what kids
2: actually do. <laughs> awesome. They give you germs.
7: Yeah, they do.
0: Which is Anyway, getting, getting back to what we were talking about.
2: <laughs> the Van Buren Project was interesting about that, which I learned far after the fact, was that in many ways, aspects of the plot got retrofitted into Fallout New Vegas, which is very cool.
12: Uh, that is correct. Yeah, we uh, had locations like Hoover Dam show up in New Vegas, and, but I think because of the passage of time between the two projects, they ended up turning out quite differently. Like when we were doing like Old World Blues uh, for New Vegas, which is one of the one of the DLC packs, that entire location of the Big Empty was actually much different in Van Buren. It was like some sort of like isolated military boot camp that you could find out in the wilderness. It was still being run by robots, so players could, like could get trapped there and they'd have to go through all the paces of basic training. But then
5: That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com
13: code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
12: So when we, we got got around to old world blues, we're like, well we can make it kind of sciencey and kind of fun and maybe use too much humor, although we're not sure how people will like that. And then it, it came out and then everyone Liked it a lot because I think people like to
2: laugh. What was it like having the Van Buren project like dissipate completely and then getting to re-examine it and reinterpret it and bring it to life again in New Vegas?
12: Well, having it canceled was a soul-crushing experience, but mm. it, was a, it was a fun two-stage process because we were doing Baldur's Gate 3 initially, and then that got canceled. And so we watched like a year and a half of development work get flushed, which, you know, makes everyone feel great. But once Baldur's Gate 3 got canceled at Interplay, I realized that Van Buren would most likely never see the light of day. So when Fergus quit, who was our uh, head of the division at the time, I, I left soon after. And then several months after that, executive row at Interplay ended up canceling Van Buren because I think it wasn't console enough or, you know, didn't, you know, target their demographic or whatever. But anyway, when Bethesda showed up and said, Hey, by the way, would you guys be interested in doing the next installment for Fallout after Fallout three? We were like, Yes, we would. That would be fantastic. And then New Vegas was born.
0: To be fair, I, I shared a similar soul crushing experience because once my parents were going to take me to get ice cream and then they canceled on me and I have not since recovered.
5: And to
0: this day, I, I don't really want to say anything more about it. But it's I, it's I soul pain. crushing. I, it is. That I ice mean, cream could have been so delicious. I'll never know. Do Do I'm going to die pay? before I have it. I mean,
11: Chris, we mean you we were working brain? on Van Buren before, like, it was canceled, right?
12: Yes, I had been working on it for about three and a half years.
11: Yeah, see, that's, like, you weren't Getting ready to eat ice cream for three years at least. Well, oh,
2: you don't
0: know me.
11: <laughs> Although, <laughs> I was. Kids, I'm pretty sure their whole lives are getting ready to eat ice cream. So. They said
0: you get good grades every year in, in middle school, and we will take you get ice cream. And I got good grades every single year, and then that's that true. And then they both got killed in an accident and couldn't get ice cream. They canceled on me. I mean, how dare they?
7: You should see his journal entries from around that time. They're very oh. dark.
10: I mean, like I can get you some ice cream.
7: Just, just
0: mail it to us. I'll. Damn it. you, parents! <laughs> How dare they?
7: I want some
3: ice cream.
12: All
2: right, well, let's let's uh, get some ice cream and cut to a song. What do you got for us, yeah, X?
12: I'm
3: kind of So what I have is a lo- local musician that I got to see at the uh, Skill Focus Burlesque birthday show. Hell on Heels, as she's called. Uh, she did some amazing covers. Among them were uh, the Portal. Uh, this was a triumph and uh and still alive still alive <laughs> and uh and Proderman light up the night she also covered I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire beautiful singing voice and a ukulele and this is from her YouTube video where she performs the song <laughs>
2: Loving gaze to the uh, to the filmmakers uh, and turn that loving gaze into a piercing stare. And we're going to talk about this uh, pro-grade fan film thing that they're doing. We're going to talk about the craft a bit and, and really uh, what should inspire people and future generations to create fan films why it's okay, why to get over the stigma
11: Well I don't look at what we're doing as pro-grade fan films that's just how we make films we, I mean we put everything we can into it to do the best job possible we just happen to, you know, be a collection of very talented people who can pull off your qualification of pro grade and modest. <laughs> uh, but when no when it comes to fan films might, like I said, in my opinion, if there's if you've got source material, if you're basing it off of something you love, then, you know, sticking to that source material as close as possible to me is what makes a fan film good or bad. It might look amazing, but if if it's taking liberties with the source material and kind of doing their own thing, then I don't feel like they're true fans of the series Mm. or whatever it is they're making a fan film of.
2: A lot of people are looking at fan films these days as a way to get uh, your foot in the door because they have a built-in audience. And if you're just, uh, no matter how talented you are, typically if you're just Joe Blow filmmaker trying to make your way in the world, maybe you could be producing the best stuff. But in the sea of YouTube, the infinite, endless sea of YouTube, uh, a lot of great things can get lost. Do you think that fan films are a good say marketing strategy for for young filmmakers to get their material out there.
10: Yeah.
11: Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, I do, I don't disagree with that at all. That And I and sense. I
10: wouldn't I wouldn't try to pretend like that we hadn't had that conversation. Right. <laughs> Where it's like, "Well, why don't we do new stuff?" Oh, well, because Fallout is rad and people already like it. And I think that's that's part of, that was part of the draw for us as filmmakers. Is we knew that we were capable of, of making good things. And we, we don't believe in settling. We, we try and really put our all into everything we do. Um, but it's hard to get people to see that. You know, it's, it's like sending in a resume and it gets thrown away immediately. If people can't see you, if they can't meet you, if they don't hear your voice, it, it, nothing matters. And this is what we choose for our career. Everyone, everyone working on it wants to be a filmmaker or an actor or, you know, specifically a director or whatever. We choose people who who really want to do this uh, as a career and not just like, we don't just throw our friends in it. I mean, of course, on the occasion, we bring in people who are like, well, we'll put this person in. This is something that that means a lot to all of us as filmmakers and, and, and film enthusiasts. Yeah.
11: But that's not to deter anyone who's not a filmmaker or doesn't want to do it for a living, but still wants to do a fan film. Yes.
10: But in, but in, as far as answering the question, is yeah. it a good way to get in the door? Is it a good marketing strategy? I'd say, yeah, absolutely.
2: Well then I guess I'd, uh, I'd ask after Nuka break, maybe even after season two.
5: Ghostbusters. Um, Shut up.
10: Oh my God.
5: Yes. <laughs> yes. yes.
12: Yes.
0: It's done. Damn cool.
12: You heard it here money. first.
10: Let's keep making things where we make no money. Yes. Can't another wait. Kickstarter.
0: Uh.
1: Well,
0: what
2: I was,
10: will at
11: some point in my career make a Ghostbusters fan film Yeah,
2: I like the way you think dude <laughs> that's,
11: well Ghostbusters is my favorite movie bottom line that's that is my favorite movie and I have this whole idea that I'm not going to share on the internet for my you didn't even backup. let him ask
10: the question he was going to ask I that hope it,
11: was right? that was the question we <laughs> were going to ask it, it, I apologize
2: it wasn't me. but proceed
11: okay <laughs> oh, we'll get no, back no. to it okay, I'm well interested then continue with your question sorry no
2: no 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 no. Ghostbusters is yeah, we, more we important we want more of Ghostbusters <laughs> <Yes>. please <laughs> <laughs> no,
11: I'm. I'm just saying, my idea, it, it, a Ghostbusters fan film that would be as canon as possible.
0: I'm into it. Can we get Dan Aykroyd for him? But <laughs> well, you've well, talked to him he, before. Well, Me and Dan.
11: He's, he's
10: talked about it. Zach is. No, no, well,
11: it. I've wanted to work with Dan Aykroyd because of Ghostbusters, but Dan Aykroyd, I've seen him do a couple independent things and in movies that he's clearly reading cue cards or is there for one day. So I will work with him at one point just because I mean, he looks. He seems very easy to work with.
2: You're in you're in good company with the Ghostbusters scene, particularly because uh, Brian's so tight with uh, the fellas who are behind the Ghostbusters comic from IDW, which is the best transmedia adaptation of that franchise that uh, anyone's ever seen. Brian,
11: Brian, <laughs> why have you never told me this?
10: <laughs> Brian, you're fired.
11: <laughs>
2: oh.
10: Wait, wait, let me start over. Brian, we love you. Oh.
2: <laughs> uh, I like the first one better. <laughs> Zach, have you read those books by any chance? I have not. I have oh not. my gosh. Uh, no, you gotta Zach check is those literate. out. Uh, they're they're brilliant and uh <laughs> Brian actually really wrote the foreword to the uh, most recent volume.
4: Why have you not told me this, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> because you are illiterate. Well, what do you do? <laughs> You would just it's stare at the pages book. like a sad little ape going
11: oh. It's a comic book. If I can well Pictures. if I can since I'm robo, I'm sure I can understand other comic
6: books.
2: <laughs> anyway.
11: well, <laughs> yes, okay. Well, what was your what was your original question? I, I apologize or,
2: for or Original question, uh if if it's answerable is uh <laughs> what's that what's that dream project you've been waiting to do that's not a franchise that you're just, you know, amping up for?
4: Well, Emerson Wild is a
2: Is that the a Monster Hunter thing?
4: Why are we doing Wilde? that right now? What what was that, Brian? Why aren't we doing that right now?
11: <laughs> because we still wouldn't be able to make enough money to do it independently. Mm. Because just like fan films with Emerson Wild Monster Hunter, if I can't have real practical monsters in it,
8: then it's not I, worth doing.
11: I, it's not, I'd rather wait until I can do it.
2: But you have done one of them, right? I remember seeing something.
11: We did, an orig- we did like a pitch slash proof of concept that had a, a real puppet in it, yes. And I'd want to do that for everything. And that puppet alone cost, I mean, on a normal set would have cost like three, four grand. We've, we have other easier to do i guess, No, i guess just simpler web series that we've been planning and and getting ready to do as well because we know season two once that's done you know we'll be focusing on other stuff and so we've already started moving forward with that yeah
2: more filmmakerly stuff just say there's a, a young aspiring would-be filmmaker listening to this and i'm talking about like no formal training just a lot of piss and vinegar and a fire in his belly or,
0: or her belly
11: well then they should go to the
6: hospital <laughs> <laughs> that's a good
0: first don't, step don't
11: worry about listening to a podcast go to the hospital <laughs> <laughs> and
0: then after the chlamydia settles what should they do
2: <laughs> like uh, uh, what do you feel in, in this in this increasingly more independently oriented film market a young aspiring filmmaker should do and not even from a fan film perspective just to get themselves off the ground what's a good starting point
10: Watch a lot of movies and make a lot of films.
11: Yeah. Surround yourself by people who you love working with. Just make as much as you can.
10: I was actually just talking to Amanda, who's next to me, about um, the idea of always being the student. Um, I think a lot of people, especially, and of course, this is, you know, steps further when people have moved to LA and there's this (laughs) sense of like, let me see what I can teach everybody around me about what I know how to do, rather than approaching every project as a student. And really, like, learning from everyone around you. There's a saying in theater that's that if you are cast to play the king, you don't play the king. Everyone around you plays the king or plays that you're the king. You don't actually have to do anything. Everyone else will make you look like the king. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's when and when people are, like, overacting, you know, they have this booming voice and they do this weird thing, and you're like, why are you doing that? If you were really the king, you wouldn't have to do that.
6: Yeah. Um,
10: so I try to, I, I would say that kind of trickles into other projects as well, being the student and really learning from everybody around you, everything you can be a sponge. Yeah. And just make, keep making films, start small, get bigger and, and don't settle.
11: Yeah. And, and don't make your dream project the first project you want to do because it's going to suck and no one's going to like it and including you. And then where do you go from there? Yeah. (laughs) Make things. And obviously you want to like everything you make, but don't make the first big project you want to do. A huge undertaking. You know, start small, start simple, start right for what you have and what you have available, and go from there.
0: See, that's, that's good advice because I was I was going to say that the first thing that you should never do is just pack up and go to LA ever because I've seen many people do that and it always ends in failure. I think I've exactly, yeah,
5: that exactly.
11: That's did. actually I knew I knew the the guys that I am currently partnered with and working with at you know as a business. I knew those guys for four months before I moved out here.
4: And I specifically told you it was a stupid idea and you shouldn't yep. do it. <laughs> I remember that.
11: No, I, yeah, I wouldn't and say. And I remember
4: your response was, shut up, Brian, I'm doing
10: it.
11: I wouldn't say that it's the worst thing to do. Just not the smartest. It It's, okay, if I didn't know, if I wasn't moving with people I knew, and I just moved out here on my own, yes, that would be a terrible decision. It it, Honestly, it goes back to surrounding yourself with people who you love working with and who also want to do that. Because that's actually how I met everybody. I wanted to do short films in Florida. So then I met the group who made short films in Florida. Then they said, hey, we're moving to LA. And I said, when are we leaving?
2: We're based out of Florida. I see a lot of people uh, come and go through Orlando specifically. It's a very transient place, or at least it can be most of the time. Something I, I wonder is, is it really, is LA really truly a necessity for the for the film business. I know there's a lot of resources there. Is it just that much harder to make decent films elsewhere that LA is worth the risk?
10: Um, That's kind of hard to answer. I think it depends on, on what kind of support system you have for one thing, what kind of filmmaker you are.
11: Yeah. I mean,
10: and, and as far as Florida goes, I don't, I don't feel like it compares. Um, I mean, there's some people who, who make decent money doing some film work, but they're, from what i hear this is just in my experience things i've heard from people who still live there is that they're not really achieving their dreams there they're not no. really moving forward and i know there's some film work in in new york that's that's totally rocking but yeah la is is kind of a place to be
11: i mean there are there are a lot of things that happened in la filmmaking wise for us as a group me personally that would have never happened anywhere else yeah, and that's just because LA is—it's Hollywood. I mean, it's, it's Hollywood. That's where movies are made, and that's where things get done.
10: Also, a lot of porn. So and, if you just wanted to move straight yeah. on out, yeah.
0: I was gonna say on a side note, they do have the best cocaine I've ever had. So,
6: <laughs> <laughs> edit. <laughs> I've never had cocaine. If
7: we left if we left child killing in there, I don't think cocaine is gonna ruin his image. No, LA has rich. the
0: best child killing too. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, Orlando's coming You're up. just like, I'm filming a movie. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. See, it's makeup.
11: No, you know what's funny? In LA, you, you can get away with a lot because it's LA and people are like, oh, they're probably just filming a movie. But you can't use I'm filming a movie as an excuse either because then people will be like, great, well, where are your hermits? Did you pay these people? Where's your insurance? right. right. So Where's your pants <laughs> <laughs>
5: the
0: usual
11: not easy to use that excuse
10: i actually recently worked on a short with um eric beck and justin johnson the indie machines uh where i am painted like iron man and i came home to my apartment building to a courtyard full of children and could not hide my face from them <laughs> I was like having to hide going up the stairs and they were like why do you look like iron man you're a movie star
5: <laughs> <laughs> when you
0: say painted like iron man i'm kind of yeah. confused like do you mean completely naked and then painted as iron man
10: ish. no i have it, it's no <laughs> if you look on youtube it's under avengers girls i have like i had airbrushed iron man like paint on my face and then they did digital the rest of my skin is digital cool. but i still have my shirt on there are like gratuitous chest shots though I'm
0: sorry fans
8: I <laughs> <are bad>. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah.
10: it's
0: been so long since they've see naked girls
6: <laughs> I was googling it at high speed
8: now I'm only googling it at medium
11: speed it's hard to look at naked girls on the internet oh. I, they're
10: few and far between I <laughs> it's
2: a really tough job uh and i I guess while while we're talking about jobs and uh closing this out, uh Chris, with work in the gaming industry and with say transmedia projects like this when when someone's like starting out and wants to get into say storytelling, be it in a transmedia outlet or or via video games, what is the uh, the best path? What we look for is people that
12: sort of do their own mod work uh, to clarify. Basically when games like Fallout and Skyrim and Dragon Age come out, they usually come out with game editors that allow you to create your own content for those games. Yeah. And the more um, a developer actually builds their own mod and builds their own adventure and then puts it up on the internet, that is probably the best experience that you can have making games before you actually start doing professionally. Like we had a uh, one designer, uh, Jorge, Jorge Salgado, who completely rewrote Oblivion and then put that up on the net and got like 100,000 downloads. <laughs> and then, he, and then like he applied to us and we're like, you know what, Jorge, you don't even need to show us your resume. Just come on board. <laughs> so I, I, I strongly advocate uh, just doing mods for games. And I think actually someone did a mod for Nuka Break and I, I, ben,
11: I, I, they did a companion mod where they made right. Twig Ben and Scar.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. Well, we'll link to that in this episode's page. That's incredible.
11: Yeah, yeah that's- I've yet to try it. I bought New Vegas when it was on sale on Steam solely just to play that with that mod to see how it is. But for me, because I, you can't talk to them and there would be no dialogue or anything. I don't, I don't know. I, just not. I don't
12: know. You know, If they'd actually got in touch with you, you know, that would have been nice rather than just having the, the, these mute characters go around. But I want to see what Twig's stats are.
0: Me <laughs> too, actually. I want to see what they put him at. He just doesn't gain experience. Well, no, I,
2: I hope that the fan who created that, uh, somehow this trickles down to him or her, and, and they do that, because we actually, uh, one of uh, one of our fans modded Neverwinter Nights 2 and stuck our D&D characters in it, and they were like, oh, you want to nice. do the voices? And we said, yeah, we'll do the voices. <laughs> so uh well let's let's talk about fan appreciation uh aside from that incredible mod uh what have you guys seen just as far as like nuka the nuka break fandom specifically
10: a lot of fan art of of ben the ghoul
11: yeah there's so much (laughs) fan art of ben and not it's not like it's just by one artist there it's like people really want they just like ben i think it's because he's the anti-hero he's the angsty Mm -hmm. he's the most angsty of us all so pretty awesome
0: yeah, there's uh, a lot man.
11: in our event. I've seen a couple <laughs> of of Scar and Twig. Besides that, there hasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, besides the just general love and people you know, sending us emails, like we actually get quite a few e- just random emails saying, "Hey, we love Nuka Break." But yeah, and, and I I read at one point, some guy said he was going to cosplay as Twig. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. I'm so jealous. Uh, I don't know if it's happened yet or not, but. That was it. I mean, that, but
0: that, yeah, that's it. I'll cosplay a scar.
2: Well, <laughs> guys, just to be sure, I checked uh, the Rule Thirty Four archive. There is no nuka break thirty four yet, so
5: you're in be. the clear.
0: There could be uh, cap, cap. No, there could be. No, <laughs> I'm
8: just it's saying. only a matter of time now.
0: <laughs> you guys were talking about how much
2: everybody liked Ben and the way you said it, I just thought, is it like that? Is that how much they it, like Ben? It's
11: <laughs> kind of, it is kind of like that.
10: He, There are girls who are like really into Ben the ghoul. Yeah, like
11: there's this girl and she's like an, She like, she's like an oil painter. Like this fan art <laughs> of Ben is like an oil painting.
2: Oh my God.
11: And wow. she's like into him, into him. Yes.
0: <laughs> so they like ugly guys, huh? <laughs> Get them numbers.
2: <laughs> There's this slang that's shown up basically via via my Tumblr experience, which is shipping and the the concept of creating relationships that aren't really there between fictional characters. And when you said like that, they're really into Ben. Has anybody been uh, shipping uh, Twig and Ben? Are you guys aware of this? Is that is that going on?
4: I don't know of. That's good. What? What about in the script? I, I keep sh- sending you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's
8: only a matter of time now.
11: The thing that comes to mind when you say that is the uh, the Sherlock Holmes, Watson stuff. Mm-hmm. That exploded on the internet.
8: Yeah, it
12: did. How, cl- how closely do you follow that, Zach? <laughs>
11: <laughs> Very close. <laughs> <laughs> <I> have, uh, <laughs> Respect. <laughs>
0: Ryan, did you write the buy men in joke? Yes. <laughs> Thank what you. you. What do you remember you from, for that. Bu- from before the bomb? By Menon, <laughs> I think it's some sort of ham. Is it from a religion? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't.
5: Know.
0: <laughs> it was great, and then they use it as like.
2: Oh man, yeah. By Menon, I fucking bi-menin. love that joke.
4: <laughs> it's funny. We, I, I, did a talk at a local university, and these were with kids who were like 18, 19 years old, and so we're doing it. We were also doing a screening of. I think then it was just the first two episodes that had been released, and we get to the By Menon. And none of them get it because they had never seen the commercial.
6: <laughs> oh my God. Yeah,
4: are
2: children. I mean, I saw that and I was like, Christ, somebody else remembers that shit. <laughs> so, I don't even, you know what's funny? I don't even know what product that is. I just know the sound of that jingle. I think it was
8: like, razor or something.
0: <laughs> was it like pepto bismol but I have no idea. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. What is it, Brian? Yeah,
4: you're uh, it was,
10: was, was it? wasn't it used for multiple things? Yeah for the company. It', meant, meant it?
4: it was a company that made multiple products.
10: Oh.
12: If only we had access to the internet to find out the answer.
4: I mean, uh,
3: links tell to uh, the commercials. Oh,
5: please tell
4: us. Links to buy men and products on. Uh, Some <laughs> kind of encyclopedia that could be like, I don't know,
0: user created, you know? <laughs> Some sort of pedia. Uh, <laughs>
10: something. Some sort of pedia. <laughs> A pedia.
0: Yes. Any pedia will do. <laughs> I have no idea. I think we've gotten off topic.
2: Yep. so what do you you cut some music what do you got for us X
3: well uh, recently uh, earlier this year uh, our good pal friend of the show MC Gigahertz passed away and uh, he had some unreleased tracks and the good people over at Nerdcore Now and uh, a producer that Gigahertz worked with uh, uh, OG Don Vito released his album the Shapeshifter EP and one of the songs that I remember hearing while it was still in production was uh, Summertime is Over and uh, seeing how this all takes place, uh, Fallout is mainly de- desert. I thought Summertime is Over was an appropriate song. So uh, there you go. Summer. Summer.
9: Summer. Out of town don't no one about the best got to make something better than the summer I remember summertime back in the day Cheney stadium, catch a baseball game Watching the Tigers and the Rainiers Now it's all about the gold club and free beers But back then it was something else How summertime hit you in the way you fell. Watching fireworks on the front lawn Late night, kick the can, let's get it on Dude, long gone are the days when I would go outside and play in yeah. Run through sprinklers, get in water gun fights And camp out in the backyard at night. Take me back to those long summer nights With the days so bright, everything was alright But I just can't go back So here's a summertime classic, yo, call it a throwback Summertime, over, now what your got? The summertime comes, cause there ain't nothing quite like the summertime fun. Y'all know what the summertime does when the sun comes out. Get the summertime buzz. I got a fever, some say a cancer. The only cure is the buffet amber on the waterfront, seeing the sights. Fun in the sun, there's a party tonight. Ain't no party like a summertime party. Cause a summertime party make you wanna move your body. Quick look. Check the booty on the hobby, cause she wear the short shorts, make you feel a little naughty. But the party gotta end sometime, short and sweet like the summertime. But I just don't know what I'll do with myself when the summertime goes. Summertime over, now what you gonna do? Stay inside all day till the summer comes. Through the five-mile drive. You ask me why, but the reason is clear. When you see the sunset on Mount Rainier, why there's no place I'd rather want to live in here when the sun's coming out this time of year. So follow me, crack open a beer, and you'll see how we do it in the two-five The 206 and the 360 Up and down Puget Sound, we could go And this ain't news if you're in the know That Northwest summers are the best fo' show Now the weather up here ain't perfect But I swear that the summer makes the rain all worth it But it just won't last Now it's cold and it's wet cause the summertime passed Summertime's over M.G. what you gonna do Maybe fly south or something Cause these dark clouds got me.
2: And we are back. Now, uh, Tybee has left us sadly. But, uh, Goodbye, she's... Tybee. Can you blame her? <laughs> <laughs> no. I know, honestly, I can't. I really, truly can't. Not even a little bit. But, but now, now we're going to take things way back. We're going to talk about the original Fallout because Luke is late to it. Luke is way <laughs> late to it.
6: Sometimes Luke's not quite as cool as he might like to think. It's time for Luke is late to end.
2: So Luke going into Fallout years years and years after the fact what did you know about it
8: well I had already previously played Fallout 3 and New Vegas and I remembered playing maybe an hour of Fallout 2 oddly enough so I knew I, knew, I already had a familiarity with the universe but that's about it and I, I have not played many of the other RPGs in the same kind of gameplay style either so like turn-based combat from the from the top down view was a kind of a new experience for me as well.
2: After all this time, how did the uh, format translate to you as a, a modern game player, especially from Fallout 3?
8: It is well, obviously, it is completely different, and it is a lot. I would say slower paced just because things kind of take longer to do, if nothing else. But I have, I have, was playing computer games at the time, so I was, I can deal with a little bit of old schoolness, and, and I appreciate it even. It's I like the way it translates from uh, from pen and paper st- uh RPGs. It all makes sense in my head somehow.
0: <laughs> no, oddly enough, I went back and played Fallout 1 recently, and you cannot beat the game by only focusing on speech skills. You can't. Every enemy kills you in one hit. No. No.
8: You oh can. yes, I died so many times I, playing I, this game. That is that is yeah. one of the first things I want to mention is that it is old school game hard.
0: Yeah, no no speech skills, you'll just die. You can't do it. <laughs> Got to nice. be
8: careful I, when I, you uh, save. But you know, since since in Fallout 3 your your combat ability is a lot based just on your own reflexes and ability to aim or use the VAT system, uh, you don't really have to do a lot of running away. Whereas when you when you come out of the vault for the first time at level one, I was running from basically everything, so I didn't <laughs> have to keep going back to coming out of the vault. <laughs>
11: I have to say, I spammed the VAT system in Fallout Three.
8: Yeah,
0: well, it was it was fun. That's what it was there for. It was it was ingenious. It's great. Uh, it was
8: my old crap button. I was like, oh my god, they're gonna kill me! Shoot him in the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the the first game is is really difficult.
8: Well, uh... and there there is a similar system in, in Fallout One as well. You it's you can for extra extra action points, you can specify what part of the body you want to shoot an enemy in and it has a probability number there as well. It's if you uh, after playing Fallout 3 it was immediately familiar.
2: Well, I guess to describe the uh the experience playing it like going going into it say you were reviewing the game. Tell
8: us about that. Uh, uh, from, from a gameplay perspective it was it was satisfyingly difficult. Uh, I liked I liked how hard it was. I think it gave the wasteland a more perilous feel because I had to keep running away from things until I discovered the blessed power armor. Story-wise I, I liked this I liked how they developed the story in in this first game better even than uh, than three because it, I felt like they dwelled on things a little bit more and things things can be more developed through the through the various texts that you find and the voice acting was just excellent. Everybody they got involved was just amazing. And uh, I had my, oh my god, it's Tony J moment when I ran into the lieutenant. <laughs> I, I really appreciated the ending, I, and I did, which I did not see coming uh, to, to sum it up. After doing everything that you need to in the game, you are not allowed to return to your vault because uh, you have seen too much of the outside world, and you would basically motivate the best of your generation to, to go out and do the same as you. So you are kicked out to wander the wasteland forever, and uh, eventually found the the tribe that you are a member of. In Fallout Two, I, I learned.
0: Yeah, Arroyo. funny enough, yes. oddly enough, at the end of the first game, when they banish you, it's like you're strong enough that you could probably take him on at this point if you really wanted you, to. So.
8: You could, in fact, shoot the overseer, which I found out later, but I did not. <laughs> I was the way I was playing. My character was very uh, hometown hero, and he would he would have immediately been like, no. It is for the best of the world, so he just walked out, all disappointed and heroic. The end. <laughs> that the end.
7: moment, because I remember being a young lad watching one of my older friends play this game, blew my mind that a game, the ending to a game, could be so soul-crushingly heartless. Because up until it really this point, was. it was amazing. Up until this point, it was always Mario rescues the princess. I didn't know that games could sit there and say, "You know what? You did a great job. You saved everybody's lives."
0: Now get the fuck out. <laughs> That's true. Although you're disappointed seven times when your princess is in another castle, so, this is true. I mean, but there
7: was still that ultimate reward. This is the ultimate reward of being the sent out
0: to the wastelands because you did
7: a good job.
0: You did so great. Please leave. Never come back. I love you. Thank that.
7: you. Come again. Yeah.
0: but don't.
8: <laughs> oh, other. <laughs> I will say other highlights of the game. The main. The main big. The big bad guy, final boss, is is the master. Possibly one of the scariest, creepiest villains in any video game or movie I have ever seen. Yep. Uh, he is sort of a face with an eye stalk coming off of the side that has grown over a computer screen that speaks in four or five different voices, and it's he's clearly insane. And, oh, it's just its horrifying and amazing at the same time.
0: What, what I've always wanted is that they refer to the Master in pretty much every Fallout game that's come out afterwards. Like, the second, the third, you know, the new ones and all that. I've always wanted him to come back because he really was one of the creepiest, like, villains I've ever had, you know, seen in a video game. And I've always wished they would put him in one of the newer ones as, just, like, an enemy that's been behind certain events or just comes out in one of the games. Because he's really fucking creepy.
8: So. And his surrounding dungeon is one of the creepier video game experiences I've ever had because yeah. it's, it's dead spacey, there's just corpses and bits of people all over the place and really, really creepy sound down there. Yeah, that's the
0: one downfall oh. of the newer games is that, besides the fact that they're not that hard, it's that there's not really a main kind of boss fight thing, you know what I mean? It's just like you choose an option and that's pretty much it.
8: And one thing and I it in wanted... this case there were Gatling lasers and Super Mutants. I
7: know,
0: it was great! <laughs>
7: One thing that I just got to comment on from an art design perspective is the pixel art in that game is phenomenal. The, oh, yeah. The set design, the feel of the world itself, the aesthetic is tremendous. Especially and for that one, time. Thing, one thing that you lose in, like, Fallout 3 and everything because they have to render the different particles when, say, somebody blows up is when you get a gruesome death in Fallout, it is so much more gruesome than anything you will see in Fallout
5: 3. Oh.
8: Geez, yes. There was- uh, I mentioned the overseer death earlier. In fact, I, I watched a video of it since I couldn't do it myself. You blow off half of his left side and he sort of crawls at the door, still trying to get in there, trailing entrails. It's <laughs> brutal. Wow. I
7: remember. I remember vividly. One of the first bosses you fight is this dude sitting behind a desk. It's been so long ago now. I don't remember his name, but I remember. This more, I believe, with crystal clarity. Or oh, the fat guy sitting at the desk. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, where when he blows up because it was the first time that I had gotten a gruesome kill, and I watched his body just go it's like <laughs> and just land a everywhere. And there's just <laughs> this little <laughs> spinal column oh. wriggling back and forth. And it was just like, yeah, this pistol is the pistol of the gods. <laughs> And that's where Fallout got its nature
11: from. But
7: it yeah. was, it's it's Tantamount, and everything from Black Isle Studios from that point forward, Fallout 2, Planescape, Torment, all had that same sardonic sense of humor, and it was
0: amazing. I missed those games. Yeah. To be fair, Tactics didn't really, but I couldn't get through much of that. So. Mm. I liked it, but it was just so difficult. <laughs> anyway.
2: Chris, going into uh, Fallout 2 and working on the game, had you played the first game?
0: Yes, I had, and the
12: fact that you could actually use your speech skill to convince the master about why his plan was flawed. And then he has that moment where he just simply says, you know what, you're absolutely correct. (laughs) It's (laughs) perhaps one of the most satisfying RPG moments I think I've ever had in a video game.
8: It's something that I uh, want to go back and do, actually, is, is all of the all of the different boost a stat to max and see what you can do with it. Or drop a stat to minimum, like intelligence, and then nobody can understand what you're saying.
12: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but the,
7: the ability to lower your intelligence and have all that stupid dialogue is, is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> and I just got to call out the ability to boost your luck stat to max and then find this random overturned semi in the middle of the desert that's just filled with bottle caps.
0: <laughs> that's a thing. Yeah, That's it's, a thing. It's pretty great. You, you find more random stuff, too, the higher your luck is. Yep. So. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's fun sometimes just to max your stats and just see all the crazy things that happen.
2: Zach, do I remember correctly that uh, that you actually played uh, the first two Fallout games pretty recently yourself?
0: Yeah, I played them.
11: Uh, I played through Fallout 1, and I haven't beaten Fallout 2. But I, or, Sorry, other way around. I played and beat Fallout 2, but didn't play all the way through Fallout 1. But yeah, I started with Fallout 3 in New Vegas first, and then went to the original games.
2: Well, going into the Nuka Break project, where did your fan love for uh, Fallout come from specifically? If you hadn't uh, played the originals.
11: Oh no, it was definitely Fallout 3 because that. Had been, I mean, New Vegas wasn't out yet before mm-hmm. the fa- before Nuka Break came out, and well, before we filmed it. Yeah, Fallout 3 was definitely one of the first games in a very long time that I. Would get lost for you know an entire
8: day sitting there playing the game. <laughs> it is that kind of game. You can very easily get involved in, in quest lines, and and especially once you get to somewhere like Junktown or the hub, where it's just quest after quest. You can lose. Uh, it's uh, you can just you, all of a sudden the sun is coming up, and you didn't even realize that you were playing at night.
0: Yeah, it's actually a bit exactly. overwhelming. <laughs>
8: yeah, no, there there were
11: times with Fallout where or Fall Three where I would sit, you know, start around eleven o'clock. You know, in the morning, and then I'd realize it's getting dark—seven <laughs> 8 o'clock at night. You're like, and I just I woke up. Lunch or dinner? I had just been sitting there playing all day, and that doesn't happen too often with video games. But that one was, yeah, Fallout Three was one of them.
7: And especially when you're sitting there going, like, but I only finished two quests. I don't yeah. understand what's going on. I just, I've done I two would...
0: quests. It's been twelve hours. <laughs> yeah.
7: I talked to a couple people, but I didn't think it took that long.
0: But also, I can't play video games that long now that I'm getting old. (laughs) No? I don't think I could sit down for 12 hours straight without being like... I need to take a fucking nap. I'm an old person. Where's my diaper? <laughs> yeah.
2: Chris, working on the original style, top-down, uh, turn-based Fallout games and the uh, the newer ones, what do you think, aside from just general graphics and everything, what do you think the, the trade has been in insofar as gameplay? In your opinion, what does the uh, older ones do better that the newer ones can't do and vice versa?
12: I think that the uh, well, the, the, the top-down view just allows you to approach uh, combats a little bit more tactically in the sense of it. just it had very much more of a turn-based feel about it and then having sort of that isometric view for the camera allowed you to get a much sort of wider grasp mm-hmm. on the battle scene and figure out like you know where you want to position yourself like you know how you can use those two hacks to your mana and most, most out of your action points and and things like that. I, I, I do think a lot of the principles of the Fallout franchise however did translate between the games pretty well. Like, Bethesda was always kind of a master of doing the open-world RPGs, where you just wanted to go around and explore everything, and that's always been a big part of Fallout. And so when Fallout 3 came out, Bethesda really lent that design skill to make the Fallout just this place you just wanted to go over every hill and explore, and there was always something cool to find around it, like every bend and every corner.
0: There's a huge artistic difference between the newer Fallout games and the older, because in the older, it's, you know, a top-down view. Right. And so whatever the creators want you to see, you will see it from that angle. And you will see it how you know whatever they make, you will see it how they'd make it. Yeah. and However, I guess yeah, and the newer games gives you choice. In you all can things. look at the ground all day long, or but you can see things from various angles. So it's very different. Both of them are completely different artistically. Yep. I love that about them. But
2: maybe this is uh, too much of an open-ended question. But uh, Chris, what do you think the the future of Fallout is insofar far as uh, game design and uh, and progressing with the rest of the industry and everything?
12: I don't know really whether Fallout was really that successful as a franchise. Like I, you know, I don't think it made much money for Bethesda, and you know, people don't seem to like it very much. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen with it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm totally. I'm, I <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to do uh, more more installments. They'll probably uh, have a lot of the same uh, design principles that Bethesda is built on, with like Oblivion and Fallout Three and Skyrim. And uh, I think they'll just keep refining
0: Luke, do you recommend that everyone who's a fan of the Fallout series but hasn't played the original like should go back and liter- and actually play the original game? Is that something they should do?
8: I think absolutely, because even and, and I was sort of backwards discovering so many things that I'd love from Fallout. Fallout 3 and that alone is enough motivation and also yeah. because you should play an old-school hard slow-paced game because it'll be good for you you damn kids <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I like demon uh, We had to demon click Souls. our
7: character across the screen both
8: ways <laughs> In my <laughs> day Until we discovered we can make him run all the time and that really <laughs> sped things up
2: Well, let me hit up somebody. I haven't heard from at all so far this discussion Brian Brian I, I assume you played a uh, fallout when it was brand new no,
4: I uh, had a what? What's the word? A shitty computer. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, ha- have you played the originals? No. Wow! Wow! Brian. I would have thought for sure that that was uh, that was. And in fact, all I, I have
4: not. Uh, I have played both Fallout 3 and New Vegas for about an hour each, because that's only that's as far as I can get before my, I guess, gaming OCD just destroys me because both games are so open-ended. That I am, I am immediately just paralyzed by having to do everything immediately, which is idiotic and completely like my fault. Like I'm not saying like this is something that's wrong with these games. It's just I'm an idiot and can't play them. Same with Skyrim. I can't. I got five minutes into Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> literally five minutes it's Like,
14: ah! there's this big potato next to the stove
2: oh, I can pick it up oh my god <laughs> pretty much yeah. Especially baskets, baskets. there's seven baskets in this room
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> <of> houses <laughs> bare the world <laughs> His, imagine he has if he had a house in Skyrim it's filled with every single item you can find and just dropped on the floor and a chest all neatly <laughs> in order I
4: needed it later oh I can realize I'm a normal person, but put me in the game and I become
2: a hoarder.
7: <laughs> Skyrim Hoarders edition, here's Brian's house. Game, <laughs>
2: game Hoarders. <laughs> Alright, well, we're going to adjourn this uh, Nerdy Show Prograde fan film episode. Uh, but before we go, I want to remind everybody that nerdy show is a listener funded podcast. And, uh, no matter when you're listening to this, we do have some kind of support drive going on right now. So if you like what you heard, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please feel free to just slide a little bit of love our way in a financial sense So we would most appreciate it. If you give even a dollar, you, we do send you a bunch of amazing, cool crap. If you uh, send us just a dollar, uh, but, uh, we got some support drives going on and, uh, if you just check it out to the front page and, uh, See what sort of support drive we have. We like to play little games with you.
7: Mind games.
2: Yes. Um, so you never know what's going to happen. Maybe uh, maybe you'll tell us what fan fiction to write. Maybe uh, you'll dictate whether or not, uh, you know, what, what topic we talk about or, or, or something far stranger. Just, uh, just check it out and see what's up. So now we're going to go. Zach, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, guys.
12: Thank
11: you. Hey, thank you. It was a pleasure.
2: I I really look forward not just to seeing uh, season two, but also to seeing uh, how much money you guys collect. Because man, (laughs) you're doing so damn well right now. It's incredible. I'm gonna (laughs)
0: donate at least a thousand uh, pennies, so that'll be good. (laughs) Thanks, Brandon. Thanks. Thanks. It's
11: all in PayPal. So however you get those pennies to PayPal, have fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To the bank.
2: (laughs) To the bank. (laughs) So, Hex, what do you got for us? Well, OC
3: Remix has but one remix from any of the Fallout franchise. Really? And it's from the first Fallout. Ha! Huh. And this is, the track is called The Fallout of Eli. And this is by uh, OC Remix veteran Maze Dude and Brenner Agassi, who mm-hmm. is a professional drummer. And there's a lot of percussion in this
7: track, and it's really good.
2: Very cool. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye,
7: I'm Hex. Bye, I'm Tony, the draw friend.
2: (laughs) Bye, I'm Brandon.
7: Brian. Luke.
2: Thanks so much. Be sure to check out the Nuka Break Kickstarter if it's still active. And uh, depending on when you listen to this.
3: And listen and go watch Nuka Break if you haven't seen it, you jerks.
2: Yeah, you'll find all the appropriate links on this episode's page. Enjoy the track. Bye-bye.
14: Listening to Nerdy Show, you damn fine American. Nerdy Show is brought to you by a comic shop, Nerdapalooza, Play and Dry Dovito, and listeners like you. If you enjoyed what you've heard, support Nerdy Show by telling a friend, picking up some merch at the Nerdy Store, or donate directly and receive exclusive perks. You know, Capitalism, you goddamn commies! For more episodes of Nerdy Show, Dungeons and Doritos, videos, contests, and other nerdy programming, visit nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to all Nerdy Show podcasts via the iTunes Store. Follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twiddler. It's goddamn Twiddler now! Buy it, make it! And get social with other Nerdy Show nerds at nerdyshow.com forums. You goddamn bags of cocks. Nixon, out. Remember, this is spicy. Oh, that's right, it's spicy.
7: Yes, it is. I, I will sample some of your offering.
2: Yeah, I've uh, I've, I've smelt it. And uh, and I've also dealt it.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm about to start drinking Fireball Whiskey. Jealous much? No.
8: Is that... No. Isn't that the stuff that tastes like cinnamon and also burns of alcohol? Yes. It's that amazing. That doesn't sound good to it's me.
0: It's double burn. It's when you hate your life.
3: It's like when you when you soaked uh, your your fireball candy balls in
7: whiskey as a kid. You
8: can chug it if you want. Sure. Right. I, my mom used to do that when I wouldn't be quiet.
0: You don't have AIDS or herpes, right?
7: Nope, not that I checked.
0: Okay.
2: We're gonna start
7: recording now.
0: <laughs> well, you didn't check? No. Ah! Give me that bottle. I could have all of those things. Let's well, do it In one!
5: Now. Ooh.
2: Okay uh we're recording in three two one and we're coming in from the nerdy show intro theme and here we go welcome back guys to another nerdy show pro-grade fan film episode hi
0: i'm cap hi i'm hex i'm tony the draw friend (laughs) i'm brandon I didn't realize he was going to say more than his name, sorry. Maybe we should do this again.
3: Uh, See, I'm not the only point. one thrown off by the awkward title.
0: What, what were you, What was your title? Tony the Draw Friend. Tony the Draw Friend. Tony the drawstring.
7: <laughs> Tony the G-String. Tony the Whoa. G-String. Tony the Draw Strap. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Tony the G-string uh, Baldini, uh, <laughs> proprietor of several strip clubs. <laughs> Can we, all <laughs> Can we all have lobster names. What I do? We all have lobster names.
6: I got the clamps.
0: <laughs> Brandon clamps. So that's a good outtake. Let's start again.
5: Oh, okay,
0: I'll wait. I'll wait for your title, then I'll say my name. Okay.
5: okay. Your goofy okay.
0: title.
2: <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome, guys, to another Nerdy Show pro-grade fan-love episode. Hi, I'm
0: Cap. Hi, I'm Hex.
7: I'm
2: Tony, the
0: draw friend. And I'm Brandon.
2: Well, not and I'm Brandon, because... Oh, because there's more people. Let's do a retake from (laughs) Brandon. Nice! (laughs) Nice, Brandon! Nice. Uh, Okay, we're doing doing Brandon, Brian, Luke. And that's how we're doing. And uh, three, two, one, Brandon.
0: I'm Brandon. I'm
8: Brian. (laughs) I'm Luke participant
3: I <laughs> hate
5: everything
0: oh it sounds so sterile
11: <laughs> hold on a sec I'm gonna... that wasn't what me the, at all. what the
0: hell have I walked into <laughs> oh my god
11: <laughs> yeah see Chris got joined Chris joined the conversation the same time I did
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Cap, explain to me who is here right
2: now We <laughs> just did I just did okay but I, this, we're, not, we're not um we're not we're not recording. formally okay. recording this yes. is not the segment yet um, <laughs> you guys can't fool me <laughs> Um, so we got, we have Chris, um, and Chris, your last name is pronounced Avalon. That is correct. Okay. Chris Avalon and Zach Frenfrock.
11: Wait, I'm being honest. It's actually Avalon. Uh-huh. what do you think it it's was? It's not Avalon.
2: Okay. I uh, thought he was
7: mispronouncing
0: I, it. Okay. That's
12: good. I, 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 I wish it was Avalon because that's cooler, but no,
11: that's It is right. Avalon. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> There's been a debate. Ooh, the hell was that? That was Tyvee. There's oh been a debate God. with the Nuka Break crew. That we weren't sure if it was Avalon or Avalon. God damn it, Zach. Well, how do you, how do you spell <laughs> it? It's been for the Avalon the entire time. Cat, how, do you, how do you
0: spell it? <laughs> it was Avalon, right? there if There's an it was E at Avalon. the end. Oh, there is? Yes. That's oh, then it's Avalone. yeah. Yeah. Okay. How is that up for debate? Yeah. There's an E at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's like simple. Simple Avalone. English. People. It's simple math. Oh. It's simple math. <laughs> Come Put on, E at the end. You it's, it's a long e O. Fucking assholes high five.
5: If
7: anything, <laughs> I'd see it have a Avalona. Okay.
2: So if, uh, if uh, Zach, if Tybee's there, any way we could drag her on this thing too?
11: Tybee, you've been officially invited to the Nerdy Tybee, Show podcast. Tybee. Tybee. Tybee Tybee, Tybee, Tybee,
0: Tybee, Tybee. 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 Is that a real name?
11: Tybee Diskin. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing at your last name now. She is, she is now going to on to kick some ass. <laughs> Tybee Dixkin. <I> <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're joking, right? Please no, skin? Dick skin. Oh, God. <laughs> We're alienating everybody on the podcast
7: that isn't already affiliated so
11: with it. One. Whatever, these
0: They're are beautiful, beautiful takes. takes. <laughs> and Brian Clevenger's here, too, so bash hey, it all you Matt. want.
11: Keep, keep in mind, my last... How'd you say my last name? Friend frock. Thank you, Frocky. It is Finn Frock. But, it, wait, wait, the wait,
0: wait,
11: but there's wait, an wait. R in it,
12: isn't there? Finfrock is 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 There's a single R in it, yes. It's, it's not Flynn <laughs> oh, Damn it! Oh, I had it wrong all this
0: time. Okay. It's so, frock. Fin frock. so it's Finfrock. So it's frock, know. not Frick. Well, that's good because a Flynn Frock is, is some weird, crude device women wear <laughs> to hide their vaginas. Not how
5: it, it,
11: my name is pronounced exactly how it is, <laughs> how it is spelled.
4: <laughs> Thank
11: you, Frocky. <laughs> yes.
2: Well, at least it's not Mignola.
0: <laughs> McDerp Derp.
2: Or
11: over Vic Mignana.
0: <laughs> you know what? Let's yeah. just not use anyone's last names, because I don't care. <laughs> that's good. I like I like that idea. Okay. That's that's a good one. I've got this down.
2: Alright, let's get the show on the road.
13: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.